You want me to just stay up here and preach? You got to come up here and do something. <laughs> I don't know. Do I need one? <laughs> uh, let me see. Titus. Titus. I almost said second Titus. Amen. I did say that once. At one church, I said, turn your Bible to second Titus. And then, you know, I did what you're doing. I chuckled. You know, they, people laughed, you know. And, and I, you know, I thought, well, there you go again. And, uh, but I looked up, and it was going to, you know, correct it. But there were people looking for it. So I said, if you find second Titus in your Bible, raise your hand, and we'll get you a King James Bible. <laughs> Amen, because you got something different than what I got. Titus chapter 2 tonight, let's look at verse 13. Titus chapter 2, and uh, look at verse 13. This is a good verse, amen? Bible says this, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, tonight for this privilege to assemble in your name. Thank you for church. Thank you for believers, like-minded believers that come together and enjoy each other's fellowship and, and, and long to hear from thee. And I pray that would be the case tonight. Uh, Lord, if there's somebody in our midst tonight that does not know that their name is in that book of life, uh, God, I pray you'd make it easy for them to see this isn't about being a good person, isn't about being a good Baptist, isn't about religion at all. It's about forgiveness, and we rejoice. We have been blessed because we have been redeemed. God, I pray, meet with us tonight, bless the service tonight, and all that follows. Thank you for Miss Betty's testimony. She's been saved longer than a lot of us have been alive Lord God, thank you for the good example. And help us to follow that and be good examples if you tarry. But we pray that you come get us soon because we're looking for you. I pray it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. <laughs> I never get to say that. Amen. <laughs> All right, so, um, it, I mean, it said what it said. Uh, and it's talking about Jesus Christ. And verse 14 says this who gave himself for us. That's why he did. Now, the Bible said in John chapter 3, uh, for God so loved the world uh, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If, if you're saved here tonight, it's because God uh, so loved you, friend. And, uh, and so he gave his son. But I just want to make a point to point out that uh, his son gave himself. Uh, Jesus Christ was in on that. He didn't look forward to going to the cross anymore than you and I would. You'll see that uh, in the garden, Matthew 26, I think it is, 27, if not. But uh, it says there, Jesus Christ gave himself for us. And then it says that he might redeem us from like all of our past sins. Is that what your Bible says? You're nervous, aren't you? I hate it when preachers say things like that, and you, go, and you want to respond, and then they go, no, don't say that. And I don't say nothing either. It says that he might redeem us from all iniquity. Amen. I like that. Amen. And, uh, and he might redeem us from all iniquity. When I was a kid, when I was a kid, uh, uh, soda pop bottles, that's what we called like Coke, stuff like that. We called it soda pop. Amen. When I was in the Army, I got around them guys from New Jersey. I found out they call everything soda. Soda. Hey, man, you want a soda? I went, what's that? And we called it pop. I grew up in northern Ohio, and we called it pop. It, it actually came in glass bottles. How many remember glass bottles? Amen. And uh, there's a deposit. There's a deposit. That was two cents. Two cents per bottle. 
Amen. And uh, so you had to pay that, and then you got it back when you took the bottles back. And then, you know, then they quit uh, doing glass bottles, and they quit having deposit. And then some bureaucrat decided, we can put a deposit on plastic bottles. And now I travel around the country, and I get in the wrong state, and go to throw a bottle of something away, and somebody's freaking out because there's a nickel on it or something like, man, this world is confused. <laughs> but when I was a kid... When I was a kid, and we're going back a little while, um, it was my job to keep track of the bottles at my house. Uh, my dad, he was a carpenter. He drank he drink a six-pack of those little six-and-a-half-ounce Coca-Colas a week. He'd have one a day, and maybe when it come to work, and uh, boy, little David, seven or eight-year-old David, as soon as that bottle was empty, he'd set that thing down. I never saw my dad pour that into a glass. He just drank it out of the bottle. And uh, when that bottle sat down, here I am, I'm getting it, I'm taking it out right outside the door of the family room right in the garage, and I'd put it in its little carton. And my mother, she drank tab. Anybody ever had tab? You know why they invented tab? So that your kid wouldn't want to drink from your soda pop, because that stuff was nasty. No wonder she went home 15 years earlier than my dad. But anyway, it was my job to keep track of that bottle, and I'd, man, as soon as she got done, I'd take it out, and I'd put it in the thing, and on, on uh, Saturday, we'd go to Kroger's, and uh, here I am, here I am, I got a six-pack in each hand, seven, eight years old, I got a six-pack of bottles, empty bottles, and we'd go up to the counter, as you go into the store, and there was a little redemption place, and, uh, and I, I mean, I had to reach up and set, I couldn't even see over the counter, but I'd put them up there, and, uh, and, uh, but, Two cents on each one, and that woman or man, whoever was behind the counter, would hand me two dimes, here I am, with my hand out, two dimes and four pennies. That was my allowance. That's why I made sure that I didn't miss any of them bottles. I mean, they all went every time, 12 bottles, 24 cents. You try to give your kid 24 cents allowance these days, they will get a lawyer and sue you. <laughs> Times have changed, Amen. Jesus Christ, you know, I wondered about what they do at the bottles because I'm thinking of little kids smashing them, you know, but I didn't ever hear them break them and when I got a little older and tall enough that I could see that the guy took them, put them on a conveyor, went down and where the truck was going to take them back to the bottling company. And they'd take those used bottles and uh, dirty bottles and they'd put them on a conveyor. They'd take them back to the bottling company. The first thing they'd do is they'd clean them. Then they'd fill them. Then they'd use them. And that book says that Jesus Christ gave himself for it that he might redeem us from all iniquity. And that's what he wants to do with you. He wants to clean you up and he wants to fill you up with his spirit. Amen. Amen. And he wants to use you for his glory. That verse said, you shall be witnesses. Isn't that good? Amen. So it says, uh, uh, redeem us from all iniquity. And, uh, and then it says, and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Now, I'm not a chemist or anything like that, but uh, purification usually is a process that takes a little time, depending on what you're trying to purify, uh, how complicated the system is, but it isn't instantaneous. 
and Jesus Christ saved you, and his job, his goal is to purify you so that he can use you to accomplish something for his glory. And I'm gonna tell you what, it's not overnight, and it's gonna take some time, and you're gonna to have to get in your book, and you're gonna to have to spend some time talking to God, and you ought to you ought to be in church under the and you guess what? You get cleaned up. Spiritually speaking. Now, all that being said, I'll read the verse 15. These things speak, Paul's writing to Titus, these things speak and exhort and rebuke. <laughs> That's like the good, the bad, and the ugly right there. Speak, exhort, rebuke. Speak, everybody likes it. Oh, just share a little message. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and Jesus loves you. And then exhort. My exhortation is like, and, uh, well, the way I do it is you need to get out there and do something for God. You need to get sin out of your life so that you can be a vessel meat for the master's use. That's an exhortation. Yeah, that's the bad, but the ugly. If you don't take the exhortation, then you get the rebuke. And sometimes that can get ugly. I got rebuked once real bad. I got hauled into the principles. I mean, I might have said this before, so I won't go into it. But I got hauled into Dr. Estep's office over something that I, th I didn't know any better. Uh, I, I don't think, but once he made it real clear that it wasn't good, uh, I was so uncomfortable in the pastor's office that I never did anything to get called in there again. I just want to fly straight. I don't like being in trouble. You like being in trouble? I know some Christians that must like being in trouble because they just do things all the time contrary, contrary to the counsel, contrary to the preaching, contrary to the word of God, Contrary to the Spirit of God, they must like being in trouble. I don't like it, man. Just show me and let me try to do the best I can. And God's patient. Where have I heard this recently? Uh, there's somewhere in the Bible, somewhere it says that his mercy endureth forever. Right, remember Psalm 136, 26 times. Thank God that it does. All right, with all that being said, what I want to zero in on tonight are two words out of verse 14. And it says, uh, and purifying themselves, here it is, a, that's not one of them, peculiar people. There you are, those are the words, peculiar people. And uh, you might say, well, what does that actually mean? And my first uh, answer would be, uh, by the way, uh, many Christians resist living a separated godly life. They must think it means weird. Amen. And we don't want that, boy. We don't, want, we don't mind uh, our neighbors seeing us get in our car on Sunday and being gone for an hour or two, maybe clean up a little bit. And uh, this world's not intimidated by churches full of people. There are churches all over this country. There's thousands and thousands of cars in the parking lot at churches all over the country. And if you haven't noticed, it isn't making a great effect Amen. on our country. Amen. And so people don't mind that. But boy, I'll tell you what. Uh, uh, you, you come to church and stay out here an hour after, after the service is over. Uh, you have revival uh, for four or five nights a week. You go out on a street corner. Are you kidding? That People don't want to be considered weird. When they start doing stuff like that, people will notice. Well, we do that so we'll be noticed so that we can point them to Jesus Christ. But people are a little uh, leery about that. It's like they kind of, you know, like all this is well and good to peculiar and they kind of flinch because they don't want to be peculiar. And, uh, and just by my experience, you know, uh, most people are pretty peculiar anyway, but, you know, you might think the same way about me, so it doesn't matter. I looked the word up. Peculiar, I looked it up. What a concept. 
Some people just make up meanings. I actually look, look them up now that I'm saved. And so peculiar means this, singular, particular, you're going to like this, special. So if you, you know you want to feel special, you can be special. Amen. If you'll work it, it means exclusive property, peculiar. Let me give you an example. Now this Bible right here, this King James Bible right here, this is a peculiar Bible. Not that it's different than your King James Bible. If you have one, if you don't, we'll get you one. Amen. I promise. Right? I'll go home and get you one. Amen. But this is a peculiar Bible in that, uh, let me see, somewhere it says that this belongs to David's Persian. This is my Bible. It is my exclusive property. Amen. Are you saved in here tonight? Jesus Christ said in a purified, well, Paul wrote uh, 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 that, that uh, Jesus Christ uh, gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify. It's him that purifies us uh, unto a peculiar people because we belong to him, beloved. Are you saved? Amen. All right, we belong to him. So I want to say some things. I read that definition and then I read it again. And the word weird wasn't in there either time. So that's not what it means. And I want to help you with some things, give you some things to think about uh, about uh, about that word, about being a peculiar people, and then you can go have cake and ice cream, okay? Number one, if you're saved there, you had a peculiar birth. Now, in John chapter 3, Jesus Christ told Nicodemus twice, he said, ye must be born again. Now, this is a very peculiar birth. It's peculiar in that it's by choice. Amen. Uh, uh, not like that first one. Amen. You didn't have nothing to do with that. Amen. I get, they made me a Sunday school teacher. You believe that? For a little while. And, and one time, one of the guys, one of the kids, you know, 15, 16 years old, he's uh, all mad. You know, he had him running with his parents. Probably the first time that's ever happened. And, uh, and I could tell, you know, he's not on his game. And I'd say, hey, man, uh, listen, I'm not getting your business, but I'll pray for you. I'll, I'll pray for you. I just want to let you know, you know, I can tell you a little off and, you know, life gets better. And he said this. He said these profound words that have burned themselves into my memory. Uh, he said, I didn't ask to be born. <laughs> so obviously he's having some kind of discussion at home. And let me tell you something tonight. Maybe you'll get that way sometime. Maybe things aren't quite going your way. And, uh, and it might cross your mind to think, you know, here I am. Here I am in this family. I didn't have to be born. You better thank God you were. And you better thank God you were born in America. And you better thank God you were born in a home where somebody's bringing you to church. And you better thank God where somebody opened this book and told you how you could get born again so that you wouldn't end up in hell. Now, uh, that's a, uh, that's uh, 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 this birth, this born again birth, this is a birth uh, by choice. Amen. Uh, you had to have to be saved the second time. Bob says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. So this uh, peculiar birth is, number one, it's a birth by choice. Number two, it's a remembered birth. Now, there's a great event in American history. Do not raise your hand, Susan Spurgeon, please. Because she's like from the 70s, so if you give her an order, she'll do it in spite of you because that's the age we grew up. Amen. That's why we're such a good pair. Amen. And, uh, but there's a great event in, in, in American history, actually world history. It was a great event. February 10th, 1953, was a great day. And you say, well, what happened that day? Okay. I was born. 
That didn't change the course of any nations, but it was a big day for me. Amen. That's a great day at Lawrenceburg, Tennessee, and a little, and a little. I don't know, a little. It looked like a, it's a nursing home now. It was just a little. Uh, the hospital wasn't as big as this, this building. And uh, but I was born, and uh, you know I got a pretty good memory, although that's changing. But uh, as hard as I try, I can't remember any of it. Not one aspect of that monumental day. You know, I know where I was when Kennedy got killed. I know where I was at 9-11. I know where I, you know, that kind of thing. Yet something happens important you remember, but I don't remember any details of my birth. My mom does, and, and, and of course, I caused her to regret it many times, probably. But uh, uh, there's another day in American history, pretty important day for me, the most important day of my life, November 30th, 1990 was the day I got born again. Amen. Amen. Say, why was this so important? Uh, uh, did you win the lottery? Oh, you better believe I did. <laughs> I got a mansion in heaven. I don't know. I'm not, gonna, I'm not planning on staying home much when I get there either, but uh, amen. It's a rem- That's the day I got born again. That's the greatest day of my life. Let me tell you something. If you're saved here tonight, the Bible says to purify unto himself peculiar people. I'm here to tell you, I'm trying to help you with that, to get a hold of that, to embrace that word. Uh, if you're saved, you had a peculiar birth, man. It ain't like nothing else. I'll tell you something else. Take your Bible, go to Psalm 12. Psalm 12. And, uh, and uh, well, let me just uh, jump on ahead and tell you that you got a peculiar book in your hand. That is a peculiar book right there. It really is. Uh, verse number six uh, says this. The words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified, there's that word again, seven times. That's a pure book. Amen. Now listen. We were up at 52nd Street at, uh, at uh, Central Park, and my kids all went on a buggy ride around Central Park, and uh, we're preaching in New York City, and we're walking down Fifth Avenue, and you know, there's uh, the world's largest toy store, and there's the Yankee store, you know, and it wasn't like the Civil War Yankees, it was that ball team. And, uh, and all these neat things, there you can see up at 36, you can see the Empire State Building. And uh, my wife is such a good sport, and me and the girls, we're just tourists and kids at heart and having a good old time. And uh, she just plays along, you know, she's a good soldier. But Finally, we saw something that really, I mean, I saw a twinkle in her eye. And, uh, and she said, there's a building coming. And, and she said, can we go in there? And I thought, what, what was it? And it was a New York City public library. <laughs> That's where, did I mention she was bookish? And so she wanted to go. And I'm like, yeah, I guess. And me and the, the girls are all like rolling our eyes. And we go, come on, honey, because she's a good sport. It's a neat looking building, all that marble and, and everything. But we go in there and uh, we go into this big room. And there's a lot of rooms. But we go into this big room and, uh, and, and I mean, ceiling to floor, like 10 foot ceilings at least. It's just books. Book, what a thing to be in a library. Books, it smelled like books. Amen. And my wife was like, oh, oh. And I'm like, we, me and the girls, we find a place to sit down and we kind of balance each other because we're going to sleep. And my wife, man, she is in, I don't know what she's in. I don't want to say what came to mind. But uh, she's over here, she's over here on the bookshelves and, and, and she's like just touching them. Oh, oh, 
I would like to read all these books. I'm telling you, she's serious. We got thousands of books at our house. I got a library. I mean, I inherited a lot of books from Brother Hanstein. I bought a lot of books. Somebody said, Brother Spurgeon, this is an amazing library. Have you read all these books? I said, read them. I thought Christians or preachers were just supposed to collect them. <laughs> I'm still struggling with the one they gave me in jail. Amen. <laughs> she, on the other hand, has read them all. Let me tell you something about the New York City Public Library. There are over 2 million books in that building. Amen. I think they got elevators that go down in the, and the aliens are down there. I don't know how far it is. Amen. But I'm tell, I say all that to say this. Outside of a King James Bible, there ain't a pure book in that place. And you and I got a peculiar book. And that thing, that's the words of God, and it's been purified. And the Bible says they're pure words. And uh, that's not just the books. And I'll tell you something else. It's, it's peculiar in that it's preserved book. Look at verse 7 here. It says, thou, thou, David's talking, and he says, thou. Now, who's he talking to? He's talking to the Lord. And he says, thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. And you know what the scholars will say, whatever that means. Uh, they'll say, well, yes, the originals were inspired, but, but they got lost. Look, man's track record is so bad. I mean, let's, I mean, take it back to the garden. Amen. Man's track record is so bad that if God would have left the responsibility to, to, to preserve his word, and if he'd have left it in man's hands, I guarantee you it would have been lost. But it wasn't our responsibility to preserve it. It's, it's God's response. If they got lost... It's God that lost them. And that's a little scary because if he lost the word that he promised to preserve right there, what assurance do you have he's going to keep track of you? Amen. Let me tell you something I'm not worried about one bit. I don't waste any time wondering about whether or not my name's in the book of life, whether or not God's going to call me out of here one way or another. And uh, not one bit. And I don't wonder for a second whether or not we have indeed the inerrant, inspired word of God. And God preserved it. That's a peculiar book right there. It's a productive book. I'll just read you. A verse says, 1 Peter 1 and verse 23, being born again, uh, not of corruptible, but of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Now, that's a productive book. According to that verse, it produces life. Amen. I guess that means if God's your father, that's your mother. Amen? Uh, no amens there. Okay, that's right. <laughs> Teach a class on that. Help them out, would you? Amen. And uh, we're going to move along now and say that it is a profound book. It's a profound. It declares absolute truth. You know what this world hates? They don't want absolute truth. That doesn't leave any room for their opinion. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 3 and verse 10, as it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. Boy, them stinking self-righteous, proud, smart people, they hate that stuff. That stuff don't bother me one bit. You tell me that, I went, yeah, amen. <laughs> amen. That thing says, and them kids sang about it today, and it said, and Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I'm going to tell you what, this world hates that kind of thing. Hates that kind of verse. Amen? Because it's a profound truth. It is immutable. 
Amen? That's a peculiar book. You got to tell you something else. It's a prophetic book. It is prophetic in that it, it tells history. It's the greatest history book ever written. It is so great, not only does it tell you what has happened, it tells you what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. So, so when I hear uh, Muhammad Ahmadinejad, now he's gone, but he was the head of Iran for a long time, and I definitely like to call him the Aqua Velva Man because I never thought I'd learn to pronounce his last name. Amen. And he would just rail on Israel and rail on Israel, and they're going to destroy Israel. They're going to drive Israel into the sea. I said, I wonder what makes that guy such a jerk. And then it occurred to me. I mean, if your mother named you Muhammad, you probably would be. I should have asked first. No. Amen. But I'm going to tell you what, when um, uh, countries like Iran and uh, all them guys start talking about destroying Israel, and I'm listening, you know, I don't claim to be the smartest person in the world. I just go like back to Revelation and uh, I'm going, oh, no, you ain't. Because I know how this thing's going to end. Yeah. I'm not waiting around to find out how it's going to end. I got a Bible that tells me how it's going to end. That's a peculiar book. It's a pure book, and it's a preserved book, and it's a productive book, and it's a prophetic book, and it's a profound book, and that's why we love that book. Amen. Amen. That's why it matters. That's why we're King James Bible believers without apology. Amen. Not because we're better than anybody or smarter. Amen. We just got a hold of the importance of that book that, I mean, people were burned at the stake so that you could have them laying around not read like we do. Amen, amen. All right, so we're talking about peculiar people. Now, I'll tell you something else about our crowd. Now, we're, we, get a, we get in on a peculiar blessing. Now, in the old days, I mean, before I got saved, uh, blessings, if you even use that word, but whatever, uh, uh, they came from striving or conniving, or, or hustling, amen, things like that, wheeling and dealing, boy, I got a deal on this, that's where our, you know, anything that can happen good, uh, uh, is something, we had something to do with it, or, or else we were just lucky, or we are in the right place at the right time, that's where the blessings come from for a lost man, but not you and me, my Bible says in uh, Proverbs 28, in verse 20, the Bible says, a faithful man, uh, shall abound with blessing, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. A faithful man shall abound with blessing. You want a blessing of God? It's not deep. It's not hard. It's not complicated. You don't have to know Greek or Hebrew or anybody that speaks Greek. It says a faithful man. So it's real simple. You hear it every time uh, the word of God is open, no matter who preaches it. In my experience here, if, if you be faithful to do right, God will bless you. If you be faithful to study your Bible, God will bless you. You be faithful to give, faithful to pray, faithful to come, faithful to witness, God will bless you. It says a faithful man. Well, abound with blessings. It's not hard to get in on. Here's the problem. Our problem is sometimes we're not faithful. Sometimes we drop the ball. We drop the ball in one area or another area or a couple areas, and sometimes we get out of sorts with God, and we drop the ball in all them areas. And then you think, well, I need to get right, but what, what can I do? I can't be blessed. I wasn't faithful. I haven't been faithful. Well, so God's got a remedy for that, too. It says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful. 
to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when you haven't been, then you get right. Be faithful to get right. And he'll let you get right. Say, how do you know? <laughs> Come on, are you kidding me? I've been putting that to the test for 32 years. Amen. And the uh, Bible says this in Proverbs 24 and verse 16. It says, uh, for a just man, justified, redeemed, born again, child of God, a just man falleth seven times, but riseth up again. In Psalm 37, it says in verse 30, uh, 24, though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him up with his hand. Sometimes, sometimes we're not as faithful as we should be in some area. You just get the, you confess it, you get right, and you get back up and get back in the fight, and uh, God will start blessing you again. He doesn't make this hard. That's your stinking flesh that makes it hard. And I'll tell you something. I think the devil gets credit for stuff he don't even know about. I think that we lose that battle with our flesh on such a regular basis, and then we, the world or the devil. Have you not noticed we're not making much of an impact in the world, and the God of this world, amen, like I say, uh, he's getting credit for stuff he doesn't even do. Amen. If we look ourselves in the mirror and say, it's, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh, Lord, Stand on the knee of prayer, need a prayer, and get that thing right. The, say, will God, have you never experienced that? Do you not know what it feels like to have the joy of the Lord restored, to have the peace of God back in your heart? Amen? It's worth, it's worth it, man. Amen. So we're talking about peculiar people. Amen. It says this in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. It says, uh, we're talking about peculiar blessing. The Lord told Abraham, uh, Abram at the time, and I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Now he's talking about the nation that we come to know now as the nation of Israel. And that makes it more important than ever to pray for Israel. And I'll tell you what, we get so caught up on what's going on in Washington. You better look well past Washington and keep your eye on Israel. Because that's where whatever's going to, the big thing's going to happen next is going to happen over there. And you need, to, you need to pray for Israel. And if you, you just ought to, because that's God. But he says, it gets better than that. I'll bless you. I'll bless you if you'll bless them. Amen trying to tell you about how to get in on this peculiar blessing. Let me say this to you, too, because, listen, I don't apologize for being American. I understand our country's got a lot of problems. Amen. I get that, but I refuse to get on this America bashing bandwagon. I don't, I don't like it, and I'm not, I'm not you know, I'm, I'm a realist. I get it, but uh, it's more important than ever to pray for America. Amen. So that we get the right president, we probably get exactly the president we deserve every time. We need to pray for our countrymen because a whole lot of our countrymen are on their way to hell and we're here and we've got the truth and we've got the answer and what America needs is Jesus Christ. Amen. Just like you did. So we need to pray for, pray for America. And, uh, and people, I've heard it said, I've heard it said in pulpits, God can't bless America. God can't, abortion, queers, gay marriage, all that stuff. And I'm thinking, okay, all right. You know, you've been preaching a lot longer than me, reading your Bible a lot longer than me. I'm not 
just cr but I look around and those windows, those are, those are windows, right? I mean, you can, if somebody was on the outside of that wall right now, they would look in that window and see us in here singing and preaching and, 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 and some of you stand, Miss Betty, you know, in other words, we have the freedom to come here. We've got our name on a sign out there. You try coming to going to church in China. You try street preaching in Sudan. We've got freedom that we take for granted. Amen. And we need to quit and we need to do something with it. And I'm not talking about some, you know, rose-colored glasses, baloney stuff. I'm saying uh, we could get in on the blessing of praying for America. Amen. All right. Back to Titus chapter 2. I'm not done. I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry. Uh, Titus chapter 2 and verse 11. Now let's look what it says. Say, but we have a birthday party. Miss Betty's 101 years old. She's the only one in here that's not in a hurry. Amen? <laughs> Amen. It says in, uh, in, in Titus chapter 2, 1 Titus for you, Brother Joe. And it says in verse 11, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Kind of up to date. Yeah, not some old archaic way of thinking. It says in this present world, the context is those that have got in on the grace of God. The grace of God would bring us salvation. Are you saved? Well, then there's an admonition to you, and it says uh, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. And uh, somebody said to me one time, he said, well, is that the same thing? Is, worldly, is ungodliness and worldly lust the same thing? I said, no, no, they're not the same thing. They're first cousins, though. <laughs> you yield yourself to worldly lust, and you'll be involved in ungodliness so stinking quick. And that's why the child of God is to deny it. And it says, and to live soberly, righteously, and godly. I'm going to tell you something if you'll do that, I guarantee you this world will look at you like you're peculiar. Amen. I mean, we live in a day and age where even Christians go with the flow to such a degree that uh, what I'm saying is we're to be a people of a peculiar behavior. Amen. Uh, listen, I travel around a little bit, and uh, lost people don't surprise me. Uh, I understand what's going on with them. Are you ready? They're lost. Amen. You need to keep that in mind. Start looking down on people that are doing, well, I tell you, lost people don't surprise me. Saved people are what surprises me. It blows me away week after week. I go to church and I'm thinking, seriously? Amen. 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 The later in the age, and we're talking about church age, and we know where we're at. Amen. We're preceding the Lord. We're at the last part of Revelation 3, waiting for the uh, uh, come up hither, and, and we know that. But we need to understand where we're at. And I'm saying, the later in the age, the church age, we get the looser. We're, listen, when I was in Bible school 30 years ago, we were talking about things that were going on in Protestant churches. And like they were like, 30 years later, we're doing all that stuff we were talking. Yeah, they've gone farther, but we're doing the same things they were doing. You hear me? The later in the church age, even the King James Bible believers, the looser we're getting, the battle cry of the saved by grace is, I have liberty. Don't shove your standard down my throat. If you only knew that if I thought that method would work, I've got experience at this. <laughs> I would go about it that way. 
But listen, the liberty that comes from the presence of the Spirit of the Lord, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, is not the liberty to do whatever you want. Now, this is deep. This is deep. This is Dave's Persian theology. I thought this through. Amen. Uh, here's why it isn't the liberty to do whatever you want. Because that's what you did before you got saved. That's what I did before I got saved. That's what lost people do. They do whatever they want. The liberty that comes, the Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And the liberty that I'm talking about can't be the liberty for you to do whatever you want. It's the liberty to do what you couldn't do when you were lost. It's the liberty to take a stand for Jesus Christ and to live for God in this present world. And he says, but denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Beloved, we're, we're in a day and age, even in Christianity, where anything goes, the church, that's us, is supposed to be a reflection of Jesus Christ. We're supposed to be a people of peculiar behavior. Our problem is we're not, often. Our problem is we fit in way too good out there Monday through Saturday. I'm trying to help you tonight. Peculiar behavior. All right, that was, that was the rough one. You made it. Peculiar benefits. John chapter 3. And it says this in verse 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Now we're talking about peculiar benefit if you're saved here. Here, I mean, that could be a long list. Don't worry. But I'll tell you what, you get everlasting life. That sounds like a plus. Going to live forever in heaven. I mean, not just live forever, but in a perfect place, in a mansion. Amen. That way people can stay home, you know, up there too, like they do it during church. <laughs> okay. I can't help myself because I'm an evangelist. Amen. But uh, <laughs> people say mansion. I say, I don't need a mansion. I would live under a bridge. I, in heaven, I love it. I mean, the weather's perfect, right? And they uh, hey, there's no bridges in heaven. Are you sure? There's a street. And there's a river. Now you think you get from one side of the river to the other. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I really think, okay. Probably not. Just fly over Superman. But, uh, but uh, I heard a thing that went like this up there, up there. No matter what's going on down there, up there, we're going we're gonna to worship God and walk on gold. But down here, they worship gold and walk on God. Well, I don't want to be in that crowd. Amen. Secure your benefits. We'll be safe, safe at last, safe from sin, safe from sorrow, safe from Satan. Amen. He ain't going to be there. I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to more than anything else is to be safe from self. I'm so tired of David Spurgeon. My biggest enemy meets me in the bathroom mirror every morning. Amen. I'll be glad when I get to a place where I don't have to fight this stinking flesh anymore. Amen and amen. Uh, we're talking about peculiar benefits. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, if you're saved, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 has this verse, and I'll just read it to you. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, 
And I get, I, I understand the context. But it says, a peculiar people, now watch this, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, if you're saved, that sums it up real well. And the most important reason for us as, a, as, a, as God's people to get a hold of this concept of peculiar people is be, so that we can, so that we can uh, uh, be a witness to those that are still in darkness. Amen? They need to see Jesus Christ somewhere. Over there in Acts chapter 4, it said about Peter and uh, John that they had been with Jesus. Amen. That's what they need to see in us, that we had been not coming out of church. Amen? The millions do that. Millions of lost people do that every week. They need to see Jesus Christ in us at work and at school and at the grocery store, and in our neighborhood, and at our family reunion, and uh, we're the only hope they got. Amen. Amen. This world definitely in, in darkness. So, if uh, you never thought about it like that, or you uh, know that that ain't what they see, uh, maybe you better do some business with God this night, before the cake. Amen? And let me say this. Uh, if you're not saved in here, let me tell you how you get in on all this stuff I'm talking about. It's because of a peculiar blood. Amen. Amen. And it's a very special blood, and it's not A or B or AB or O. There's not even an RH factor. You don't have to worry about it. Uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 28 says this. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God. Feed the church of God. Your pastor and I were discussing what a responsibility. Amen. When Jesus talked to Peter in John 21, he said, feed the lambs and, and then feed the sheep. And in a church scenario, that's what you got. You got every phase of, of, from little kids to old people. And he's got to figure out how to feed you. Amen. I, it's a privilege and an honor to, to try to assist uh, of pastors, but their job, man, their job, that's quite a job. And, uh, and uh, so they got to feed the sheep and the lambs, and truth of the matter is, the goats too. You know, there's always some goats. But uh, it's nobody's responsibility to feed the wolves. Amen. We're going to route, root, route? Somebody Google that. No, don't, please. We're going we're gonna to find them out and get them out. Amen. There ain't no room for wolves in the house of God. All right? So... It was God's own blood, and here's what it says about it, and this is the last verse in, in Revelation 1 and verse 5, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, uh, the prince uh, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. That's God's blood. That's how you get in the body of Christ. That's how you get What can wash away my sin? Let's try that again. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. He made it simple enough for us to get in on it. If you're not saved here tonight, you need to get saved. Amen. And you're wasting time. This is a limited time offer, you know. And, uh, you know, I get a call that says, oh, well, you got this deal, but you only have. As soon as I hear that, I'm thinking, if it's really a deal, you wouldn't press me. But this is a limited time offer in this way right here you got to get in on it this side of your last breath. Yeah. And you can know it all right there. 
and you don't get that thing there, when you step into eternity, you're going to step down and not up. And you're going to know it was too late. And the first thing come out of your mouth is to have mercy on me, and you ain't going to get it. You missed the deadline. Where do you think that word came from? Amen. Deadline. And uh, a bunch of people in here, we got it out of before that last breath. And you know, we all got it the same way. We asked for mercy, and we got it. Be merciful to me, a sinner. Amen. But if you've never done that, this would be a good night. Preacher said already, this would be a good night to get saved. Let's all stand. Peculiar people. Now you can look at that and not, you know, cringe because, oh, I'm supposed to be one of them weird old religious fanatics. Somebody asked me one time, Brother Spurgeon, are you one of them fanatics? And I said, no, but that is my goal. <laughs> I'm working at it. I want to be as fanatical about Jesus Christ as I was other things. And you ought to, too. Now the altar's open. Now we got a job to do. We've got a witness we got to be. Uh, we're going to make an impact here, and you ought to make sure it's a good one. Uh, ambassadors represent uh, America, and, uh, and some of them ain't been a very good witness, very good representative. And some Christians I know haven't been a very good representative either. And if I didn't stay close to the Lord and stay around God's people and stay in his book, uh, there are times I wouldn't be either. But I want to be. I want to be. I want to keep short accounts. So if you're in here tonight and the Lord dealt with you about something, yes, it's fun. It's Sunday night. We're going to have a party. Let's do business with God. I'm going to tell you what I know about cake. And I know a lot about cake. It'll taste better if you're right with God. So the altar's open. People have come. But if you're in here and you're not saved, boy, what a great night it would be to get saved. Amen? What a great place it'd be to get saved. Place where filled with sinners that have, oh, they were at the place where you're at, and now they're at the place where they're at because they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, plus nothing, minus nothing, no religion, no new leaf, just honest. Honest with God and honest with themselves in that if you keep going the way you're going, you keep trusting in whatever it is you're trusting in, your baptism, your goodness, your best effort, you're going to end up in the wrong place. Now, that's according to the Bible. That's not just my opinion. My, your opinion is worth every bit as much as mine. But that book says... You die without Christ, you're going to go to a place that he didn't prepare for you. You listen to the preacher, you listen to the Spirit of God, and you let us, if there's any way we can help, we want to help. Preacher? Amen. Well, he just gave a great message here. Uh, if you're in here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ, it's simple. The, the Bible